As a church, over the last four weeks, we've discussed the four topics that are associated with this time of year, hope, love, joy, and peace, the, the topics of Advent, or the topics that are associated with the arrival of Jesus. And tonight, as John lit the center candle, we light the candle that represents Christ, the Christ candle, and it's appropriately placed in the center of the, the display. Because of the arrival of Jesus, we can have confidence that hope, love, joy, and peace are available to each one of us this Christmas. Now, there's many ways to approach the miraculous story of Jesus' birth, and over the years we've looked at a numerous different ways and perspectives that remind us of the goodness of God showing up on this planet. A few years back, we talked about the wise men, the, the strange magicians from the East who traveled hundreds of miles following a star to find the Christ child, bringing him gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. Great baby gifts. <laughs> Another year, we focused on the shepherds outside of Bethlehem, these men that were just trying to do their jobs watching their sheep by night when all of a sudden they were interrupted by this heavenly host singing praises to God and announcing his arrival. We've examined the story from the eyes of Mary and Joseph, this young mother carrying a, a miraculous child, going on a long journey on a donkey for days only to give birth, not in an inn, but amongst the animals because there was no room for them. And each one of these stories is incredibly profound and, and shows us profound things about who our God is and what it means that he showed up. Tonight, each one of us that are sitting in this room, we have our own unique journey and story. We all approach Christmas uh, from a different angle. Some of us grew up in homes where we set up a nativity scene every year that represents all the stories that I just said. The shepherds, where do you actually put the wise men in the nativity scene? <laughs> Trying to sort all that out. Some of us, we may be here tonight, and, and our exposure to the Christmas story may be from a, a Charlie Brown cartoon. And we hear Linus's voice reading the scriptures. Or maybe we've seen a, a movie, a Hallmark movie, or some movie during the holidays that tells the story of who Jesus is, and that's been our exposure to the Christmas story and what it means. Depending on your season of life, you may, you may be weary in this season, you may be uh, looking for some answers, you may be looking for some rest, you may be uh, looking for change in your life, you may be looking for change in somebody you know's life, you may... You may be looking for change in the world. Most of us, we don't actually turn to God until the wheels start falling off and we're at the end of ourselves. Whatever your story is, we're here we are again. We're at this Christmas Eve and we're exploring what the arrival of Jesus means. Tonight we're going to look at the story from yet another angle. I want to wind the clock back a few thousand years and I want to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of a young king. King Ahaz. There's an interesting history uh, in the Old Testament with kings because God actually told his people very early on, uh, you don't need a king because I am your king. 
I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to be your caretaker. I'm going to be your protector. You don't want a king. But here's what the people did. They looked around at all the other nations around them, and they, they said, well, they all have kings, so we need to have a king too. And God gave them what they asked for with a warning. He said, I'm going to give you a king, but it's not going to go well. Because I'm the only king that's good enough to be your king, and, and human beings are going to get it all messed up. That's what's going to happen. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Just about every king in the Old Testament was a train wreck. <laughs> Ahaz became king of Judah when he was 20 years old. The statement's true that, that most men's brains don't develop fully until they're in their mid-20s or late-20s. So here you have a young king, King Ahaz, at 20 years old, trying to care for a kingdom, and he, he inherited a whole host of problems as a king. The people of God had divided over disagreements into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of, of Judah. And the world power at the time, Assyria, was was expanding their kingdom and they were knocking on the door ready to take over. It was a brutal time to be king. There was financial hardship amongst the people. There was political unrest. There was rumors of war. There was social upheaval that put people on edge and many people had lost faith in God's presence or existence at all. And in the middle is 20-year-old King Ahaz trying to sort it all out. And and he wasn't doing well. He was spiraling. He was doing everything in his power to keep things afloat, to, to stay in control and, and to maintain his command. And he looked to the leadership of other kings, like maybe I can learn something from the way they're organizing their kingdoms. He, he started to adopt these, these pagan worship practices, like maybe if I can just appease these gods that they serve, then my kingdom will work out. He tried to make alliances with other kingdoms. Some scholars believe he, he even offered his son to the flames as an offering to a foreign god. Things were not good for Ahaz, and they were getting worse. And in the midst of all of the unrest and the pressure on this young king, God revealed himself. In the Old Testament, God would speak through the mouth of a prophet, and and it was an individual who was set apart to be this mouthpiece of God to remind the people of who God was, who they were, and what it meant to trust Him. And there was often this invitation, God saying, listen, come back to me. Come back to me. Trust me as your king, and I'll give you rest. The prophet that we're going to read from tonight is Isaiah. And to set up the text, I want to show you a map. If you're a guest with us, uh, I show a lot of maps. <laughs> Uh, I want to show you a map because I want you to understand what's going on in this region, this text that we're reading. The time period is around 730 B.C. And on the top of the map you see Assyria, this world power that's expanding and beginning to come down to the south. You see Judah in the bottom. This is where King Ahaz is ruling. North of him you see Israel and Syria who were kings during that time. And in the story that we're going to read, the king of Syria and the king just north in Israel were also freaking out about us, Syria, and they decided, hey, maybe if we work together, and maybe if we rally King Ahaz, we'll be able to stand a chance against this powerhouse. Well, Ahaz says, I'm not having anything to do with it. 
And so not only does he have Assyria coming after him, but these two kings decide it's time to kick Ahaz out of his kingdom. And so literally the known world is out for the head of Ahaz. He's falling apart. His kingdom's falling apart. He was faithless and fearful. He compromised everywhere, and he was losing his footing. At the beginning of Isaiah chapter 7, God speaks to Ahaz in this condition. And the Lord tells him directly, don't be scared of the alliances that are coming against you. Nothing's going to amount to anything. But, but Ahaz doesn't believe it, and so he repeats, God repeats the encouragement. Let me ask you, have you ever needed somebody to remind you of something again and again before you actually believe them? <laughs> this is what's going on with, with Ahaz. And here's what God says to him. Chapter 7, verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. <clears throat> now this is slightly comical, if you ask me, because the faithless, floundering Ahaz all of a sudden becomes hyper-spiritual. And says, God, I would never put you to the test. I, I just picture God in this scenario going, really, dude? <laughs> like, that's what we're doing right now? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do that? Verse 13, and he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Now that text you may be familiar with. You may have heard this before. In verse 14, we're introduced to the term Emmanuel. And this is the first time that it shows up in the Bible. And again, this may be a familiar term to you, but the literal meaning is God with us. So here's the story. Ahaz is in a hopeless situation. Ahaz is definitely not feeling the love from his people or anybody for that matter. He's compromised in every arena of his life. There's no joy in his kingdom. Peace is a pipe dream at this point. And he had given everything that he had to try to stay in control, but failed miserably. Even amidst all of that, God speaks to him. And God provides the answer to the hopeless situation of Ahaz. And the answer was not going to come from organizing a greater alliance. It wasn't going to come from training a more powerful army to protect himself. It wasn't going to come as a result of a better political platform or some sort of social reform. The answer was not going to come in the form of better religious practices and Worship and attempts to appease the gods. The answer was going to be God himself coming in the flesh. The one who'd always promised to care and to protect his people. The sign of hope would be a baby entering the world. God putting on human flesh to dwell with us. Friends, this story may be a few thousand years old, but the actions we just discussed are very familiar. The behavior of Ahaz has been passed on generation 
to generation to generation to generation. We so easily follow in his footsteps, don't we? When things get difficult, we do everything in our power to try to hold our lives together. And we actually become convinced that we'll be able to right the wrongs in the world and in our own hearts. You would think that a history of failure would teach us a lesson, but we're pretty slow on the uptake, apparently, because we keep trying. What do you turn to for hope when things get difficult? Where do you go for peace when the wheels are falling off? When the tension of your relationships is is reaching a breaking point, when the pressure of work is unbearable, when you get a diagnosis from your doctor that's crushing? Where do you go? Where do you go when you're grieving the loss of a loved one? Where do you turn? Our technology has provided a great form of escape. Maybe, maybe we can experience hope and peace by simply escaping into a make-believe world of a good TV series, a movie, or a social media feed. Or better yet, did you know that you can purchase a home in the metaverse? You can buy your own little virtual reality home and escape there someday. Don't even get me started with AI. The, the hope that we're putting in, the, in technology is pretty wild. Or maybe the latest health remedy uh, will provide peace to your soul. If we just get healthy, then all will be well. Ever got on that train? Try the latest fad, eat organic, just eat leafy greens, only eat, drink smoothies, egg whites only, no eggs, lots of eggs, heavy cardio, no cardio, essential oils, sensory deprivation pods, you ever been in one of those? That trips you out. Yoga, intermittent fasting. If we just use the right lotions and elixirs, then maybe we can stop the aging process that literally happens to every human being ever for all time. Or we look to our resources to find joy. Maybe if we can just get the right job or we can make enough, we'll, we'll create enough of a cushion where we'll feel secure. Or better yet, maybe we put our hope in maintaining our place of dominance in the world. As long as we can strike fear in everybody else, then we'll be safe. Maybe just one more drink will just make me feel better after a stressful day. It's easy to look at someone like Ahaz in the scriptures and think, man, man, this dude is a real winner. But come on, this is our story. This is my story. This is your story. We try to sort it all out in the same way. A few thousand years later, we may have different things that we turn to or different ways that we worship, but it's all the same. We attempt to be the answer to our own brokenness in the world and in ourselves. And we come up short again and again and again and again and again. And right in the middle of it is, is God communicating the same thing he's communicated from the beginning of time. I'm with you. I can hold you together. I can be your strength. I can be your shield. I am your hope. I am your security. I am your peace. I can give you rest. If you've ever wondered if God cares about you or God sees you or is interested in what's going on in your life, 
If you've ever questioned, is God even real? I'm, I'm confident that he is because of what we celebrate at Christmas. Fast forward 700 years from Isaiah to the first chapter of Matthew. Here's the fulfillment of the promise. Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Always a good choice. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. For centuries, the people of God have stopped during this time of year to read this story and to remember that God is with us. God is with us. Emmanuel. He came for us. He showed up to a broken and weary world, to broken and weary people. And he entered into the darkness of our pain and our suffering. He put on flesh so that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that he loves us and he came to save us. That's why we're okay. That's why we're going to make it. That's why we're secure That's why we have confident hope. That's why we have an assurance of faith. That's why we can experience restoration and transformation. That's why we have no reason to fear. It has nothing to do with organizing our lives well or being strong enough or finding the right solutions to the world's problems. We can experience peace in the middle of our own political, social, and personal unrest. We can know a joy that's greater than our pain and our loss. And we can experience a supernatural rest for our souls because God is near. He was near in the midst of the story with Ahaz. He's been near every year speaking to his people, come back to me, find rest in me. Worship team, you guys can come as I close. If you're here tonight and you can relate to the life of King Ahaz, if you can relate to the story of Ahaz, or, or maybe you have your own story and you're, you're at a place where you're weary, where you're hurting, where you need rest for your soul, here's my encouragement to you this Christmas. Receive the good news. Receive the good news. A child was born, his name was Emmanuel. God with us. He came for you. He came to rescue you. He came to restore you. He came to heal you. God loves you. He's calling you to himself. He's asking you to put your trust in him. Maybe you've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. He's calling your name tonight. Will you join me in in prayer? Lord, 
tonight we we once again come to this story that maybe we've heard hundreds of times or maybe we've never heard. It continues to be the good news that changes our lives. Jesus, I, I pray for, for all of us tonight that you would grant us the courage to turn our eyes and our hearts to you and surrender and trust you as our King. Maybe tonight we need to recommit our hearts to you, Lord. Maybe we've been chasing down the answers in other places and we're recognizing that it's only in you that we can have hope. Maybe we've never heard the story of your love for us. Save us tonight, God. Restore us and heal us. Bring us together in your name to make us a whole people. A people who can experience the goodness of your presence. The shalom that you came to offer. This wholeness, this peace. We choose to let go of our efforts and we choose to trust you on this night. We thank you that you continue to speak into the darkness. You continue to speak into the pain. You continue to speak into the weary places in our lives. We trust you tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen.